0: everything has a cost. Some things are worth it and some things aren't. And we find that out kind of as we go by, you know, my favorite piece of furniture that we have that we've ever owned has been our bed, our mattress. The, our, it's the most comfortable thing, That I've ever owned. It's a thing that I've always been happy to own. It's a joy to sleep on. It's this thing called a Sleep Number bed, and this is not a paid advertisement by Sleep Number. It's a thing you can only buy in the U.S. You can control, you know, like the how soft one side is or how soft the other side is. It's amazing, really. It's so amazing that we shipped it from America to the U.K. when we moved here. That was expensive to do. Uh, They don't make these beds here. And actually taking one of these beds out of the country voids the warranty. So in order to make repairs, you have to go to like these kind of black market third-party dealers in order to get your bed fixed. We had to do research all to get it all set up to moving from the US to the UK because it requires different voltage and all that kind of stuff. And it was expensive to begin with just to buy it to begin with. But I have never doubted that bed being worth it. I've never doubted it. I've never been like, I wonder if we should have bought that all the time. 100% It's the best thing. I'm so glad that we bought it. The cost we paid was high, but the reward that we get from it even now is totally and completely worth it. In fact, I'm just, I'm going to go take a nap right now. I'll be right back. Nah, just kidding. And you're ready to turn off the screen, move on with the rest of your day. Well, the story that we have today, it's a long story, isn't it? As you read through it, it's like, there's a lot of things that are going on here. Well, it, overall, what is the story kind of overall teaching us? We could take like a kind of a big, a wide angle view. The main thing that it's teaching us. The main thing that God is telling us today is talking talking about the cost of following Jesus. What the cost is to follow our Lord. So the Bible is honest. It doesn't mess around. It tells you like it is. And it's quite clear that there is a cost of being a Christian. The Bible never says anything otherwise. Yet when these comes when these costs come into our lives, we act like we've never even heard of the idea of there a cost or or we're completely surprised and overwhelmed by them. So let's not be like that. Let's go into this with our eyes wide open. Um, but but here's the thing: we might tend to overfocus on the cross, uh, on the cost. We might tend to overfocus on the cost, but really the reward—it's worth more than any cost. The reward of following Jesus outweighs any other cost that could possibly come our way getting to know Jesus being part of his family being on his mission just getting to know him in your life and your everyday kind of life this is worth anything this is worth anything we could possibly give the more we see Jesus for who he is the more we will get a clear picture of what the cost is to follow him to be with him and really see kind of how small we have to pay So we're going to look look at this particular story here. We see two costs. One is the cost of status. The second is the cost of comfort. We're going to look at those two things today. Status is how others view us or how we view ourselves. Kind of like, am I better than this person or not as good as this person? Comfort is what keeps the fears, the anxieties, the pain away. We follow Paul as he follows Jesus. And it costs Paul his status in these stories. It costs Paul his comfort without Jesus Paul would be finished. He'd be completely done for. Without Jesus, Paul would have a really small life that only chases after status or comfort. But Jesus not only rescues us from our small lives that focus on such small things like status or comfort, and he, what he does is he gives us something even better. He gives us himself, and a product of being with Jesus, a product of getting him, is Jesus' status, is Jesus' comfort, and nothing can ever take that away. So let's look at status first, and then we'll take a look at at comfort in a bit. So the cost of following Jesus is a loss of status. It is. That's what it is. What Jesus does is he protects us, and he gives us all the status we could possibly want. So let's first look at that loss of status thing. Jesus is publicly, or, or Paul here, is publicly reviled He's unjustly arrested. He's shouted at. Mobs want to kill him. Seems like he's got the lowest status in the whole city right now. I mean, but what's his background? He's a Roman citizen. That counts for a lot. He came from the city of Tarsus. Tarsus is kind of like this cosmopolitan kind of place. He studied under studied under Gamaliel, who was a famous teacher. It'd be like someone went to go study under Tim Keller or you know some kind of like super famous Christian. Paul's up and coming, or he was he was persecuting the way he, he was the the people who were christians he was overseeing their their deaths paul was doing the stuff that having status requires you to do also paul now paul speaking now he's given his life to following jesus he's not rich off of it he has given to it so paul here has no status with anyone and Paul doesn't even, there's no kind of demands of like, oh, Jesus, I've followed you for, for, and then given over so much. Like, what, what, is this, this is the payback I get? There's nothing like that that's coming from Paul. I mean, what would you be thinking if you were in Paul's spot? I would kind of be like, God, what, uh, do you not love me? Uh, what, what's the deal? And yet, Paul continues. He's in this kind of place of complete disorientation. He, he is in no control of where he goes, where he stays, if he can be free, if he's in prison, if he's even going to live. And yet, Paul has confidence, somehow. Paul's experiencing far worse difficulties than any of us have experienced, and yet Paul is able to go through it with confidence somehow. We have many um, things that are happening to Paul here, but we don't have a whole lot of words that come from Paul. But when he does speak, Paul gives an account of his story, and Paul's story is about Jesus. That's what Paul all about. Paul isn't about himself. He could have been. The amount of times he brings up himself is to talk about how much it doesn't really matter. Paul is not about himself. He's about Jesus. Now, whether or not Paul had some kind of status in the world actually doesn't matter to Paul at all at this point. He is free from those kinds of trappings. This is foundational to Paul, and and, and in his relationship to Jesus, that's where his status comes from. Paul's status comes from his relationship to Jesus, not anywhere else. And that gives him a freedom. So Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in the book of Ephesians that God has blessed us, all those who follow Jesus, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's Ephesians 1.3. That means we have all we need, if that's true. We don't need to prove anything. We don't need to work for anything. We have all the status we need already through Jesus, not through what we've done, through him and through what he's done. Later on in Ephesians 2 19, Paul writes, you are no longer foreigners, and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. Fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. Fellow citizens of God's people is the church. We were formerly kind of by ourselves, but now through what Jesus has done, we have a membership. We have a family. We are citizens of the church and also members of God's household. That's the Trinity. We're members of the church, and we're members of the household. We have all we need. Why would we be anxious about anything? Why would we be anxious about any kind of status, about how we look in someone else's eyes, how we're feeling like, kind of like, if if you've ever felt like your life is, you're constantly trying to catch up to some other kind of level. Do you ever get that? Or maybe kind of like you're just, you're not where you should be, whatever that should be thing. It's a vague notion, and generally we're kind of not there. That's not reality for Christians. We already have it. We have it all through what Jesus has done. It's like, I mean, a member of the Royal family is not anxious about their status. Like they have all the status they possibly need. They're not like, oh man, I wish I was better than John down the street or whatever it is. it's like, it's like a millionaire. Um, that doesn't take on airs and doesn't dress kind of all kind of crazy, incredibly rich. They don't need to impress anyone because they have all they need. They've made it in life. They have it all. And that reality frees them to live without that kind of status anxiety that we have. Now, maybe you think you don't worry about status. Maybe you're kind of cool as a cucumber when it comes to this, but I think most people and probably you, as in you, as in everybody, you probably do. There's probably some element of that in there. All of us care about what other people think of us. All of us do, like we can't help it because we're relational beings and what people think of us matters. It informs the day-to-day, like how we speak, um, what we talk about, and the things we joke about, uh, uh, those kind of small things. It also kind of informs our big decisions that we make, like where are we are gonna go to uni? Where are we gonna live? What kind of career path are we gonna take? All of us have kind of like a pyramid in our heads and there's something at the top that we're clamoring for something up there we think we're in a competition with others. And that means this, this kind of pyramid climbing is not really a generous game. You you don't get excited when other people are, are at that higher points than you are because it's not a generous game. And as long as we're in this very miserable game, our lives are organized around what we think other people think of us. We we think about all the time, whether it's money, whether it's class and, and it can go up or it can go down. Like those people are much, or think they're much better than me, or I'm not as good as those people. Probably both of those things are happening simultaneously. Maybe they don't really think whatever that thing is that they're thinking about you, those other people out there, but that doesn't matter because you're perceiving it one way. It's all about what we think they think of us, all about what we think they think of us. That's so self centered, so self focused. One of the main reasons that you don't talk about Jesus with other people is because of this miserable kind of status game. We overanalyze, we need to project strength, we need to um, project the fact that we might know it all, especially if they know we're Christians, we have to of course know it all, because Christians always know it all, right? That's what the Bible says, doesn't by the way. We don't say what we actually really think, we keep our head down, we continue on. Try not, you know, muddy the waters, try not make ripples. I mean, think about this, in our culture, financial failure is directly connected to shame. Why is that? It doesn't have to be. Why do we directly connect financial failure with shame? There's a lot in there. Why are we, if we make a financial mistake, why would we be reticent to share that? If we have, you know, there, there's something going on there about the status that we have and how important that is to us. Why are we so obsessed with our jobs? Something in there, not 100%, something in there about the status, this kind of status game we're playing. Surely status, or lack of it, or the feel for the need of it, has something to do with all these kind of things in our lives. Now this stops us from being honest in our relationships with others, and this forces us to live in a dishonest life, not only with ourselves, and, but also that means that there's really no room for God. If we're searching after status, and God is one who's not going to give us status, and there's no room for God in that kind of life, There's no room for God in that kind of life. But Paul was free from that. He could be honest about where he came from, the good and the bad, and be okay with it. How freeing is that? Talk about, yeah, Uh, that business venture kind of went completely belly up and I lost loads of money. Uh, This one did really good. Yeah, that's great, but I'm not, you know, it's not where I put my identity. Paul's free here. His status isn't rooted in himself. It's rooted in his relationship with Jesus. And here's the thing with following Jesus. You will either lose your status with the world or lose your faith. Over time, one of the, it's that's an either or, that's a black and white situation. Over time, you will either lose your status with the world in some, in some ways or lose your faith. The miserable game that the world requires is to have it all together, to get all the things, to be amazing 100% all the time. You follow that path. That's the path to to lose your faith. You will lose your faith. Now, following Jesus means looking on our worldly status that we have. All of us have kind of some level of status and not destroying them, not feeling guilty about them, but rooting ourselves in something better, to use those things for something better, to use those things for Jesus and for his kingdom. And when we do that, the worldly status that we do have that's been given to us, we can use that for something more than ourselves. We can use that for his kingdom. How amazing would that be? Something, And then get to be a part of something bigger than, than us. See, Paul claimed citizenship. Uh, he talked about his background. He spoke in languages not to big up himself. He's using all these things to talk about Jesus. That's a product of being free. We get to do what God tells us to do. So let's lean more into this reality. So how can we do that? Well, let's have Paul's words become ours. Look at chapter 22. Verse ten, when Paul's talking about uh, how Jesus saved, when Jesus saved him, in verse ten says, "What shall I do, Lord?" I asked. That's what Paul was asking Jesus. He had this amazing encounter with Jesus, and he said this very dangerous question: "What shall I do, Lord? What shall I do, Lord?" It could mean anything from texting someone to moving to Papua New Guinea. It's a danger. It's dangerous because it calls life from us. It's risky and and there's some kind of there's an energy about it that gets us excited but it's also kind of there's a risk of failure there. It calls us to something more. That's what it does. Something weighty, something worth living for. If we aren't asking the Lord, then who are we asking? Cuz we are asking somebody. What shall I do, Lord? The cost of following Jesus is our worldly status. That's the cost of following him. What Jesus gives us though, is knowing him being a member of his kingdom. It's like the cost for my amazing sleep number bed shipped from America. It was, there was a high cost, totally worth it, totally and completely worth it. Now this question, what shall I do, Lord? It's a dangerous question because we have fear I mean, think of what it meant for Paul and and who asked this question of Jesus millennia ago. If we're living into our calling, there is going to be fear. Because we're going to be working for something big. And that's because another cost to following Jesus is our comfort. It's our comfort. So the first point, we lose our worldly status but are given Jesus' status. This point here, our second point, is at times we will lose our comfort. But we will be given Jesus' safety. We'll lose our comfort, but we'll be given Jesus' safety. Now, Paul here has no reason to believe that he's going to live. Paul is experiencing a massive loss loss of comfort. He's arrested. The whole city is uprising against him. People are trying to kill him. Many times he's flogged, which is like no small thing to do. It's like a whip that rips like flesh off your back. It's a horrible thing. Um, there's a sham of religious trial. People are plotting to kill him. I've never had this happen to me before. If, if that's happened to you, if people ever plotted to kill you, I would love to hear that story. Please tell that to me. The plan these people made was to not eat until Paul was dead. That's dedication. They are dedicated to killing this guy. People are dedicated to everything but comfort for Paul. Paul does not get comfort here. Paul's unjustly attacked many times, and that's what it meant to follow Jesus. Then, that's what it means to follow Jesus today. There are people in our church who have been unjustly attacked. People who have done good and kind things for others, and the only repayment was an attack. I hate hearing those stories. They're sad, they're difficult, they're heart-wrenching. But I know that this is going to be part of our story as Christians. We will lose our comfort. We will be unjustly attacked. Let's look at a few things of, of how Paul responds to this. So he fights for a defense in chapter 22. Um, but how does, how does he use that defense? He's actually not really defending himself. I mean, it sort of is. But he's, and that would be completely legitimate, right? For him to defend himself. It's a just kind of thing to do. But he uses it for something, it's like a good thing. He uses it for like an even better thing to be able to put the focus on Jesus in a way and talking to people that maybe would not have been able to hear it before. Paul was forced into areas where he did not have comfort. And here he willingly chooses to not have the comfort. He could have spent all the time on trying to win back his comfort, but he doesn't. He's working for something larger than his own comfort. Now Paul then gets shuffled around a bit, he changes changes his hands His custody change hands one just one unjust thing kind of rolls into another in chapter twenty three we find Paul in custody, um, and in verse eleven we read this the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, "Take courage as you have testified me about uh, testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. This is Jesus himself standing near Paul." and saying take courage. The Lord himself who through him the entire world holds together standing there right next to Paul saying take courage. This is Jesus putting his courage into Paul. Like encouraging someone is like like putting courage into somebody. Paul wasn't this kind of like stoic tough guy all the time that never had doubts or never had problems. He needed Jesus' courage just as much as we do. That's kind of amazing to think about. Now, courage it isn't a lack of fear. It's moving towards something, in when we are fearful, that, that's what courage is—moving despite that fear. Now, Paul's cost here might have been temporary comfort, as he's kind of you know in, in custody and all these kind of things, and in, in, in some really big ways, he, he's not in comfort. But he's given all the safety he needs in Jesus, through Jesus, no mediator. No specific prayers or incantations, no kind of specific way of living, no rules to follow. This is from Jesus, through Jesus directly, which is the access we have when we are in a relationship with him. Paul was on the middle class path of success and comfort. He went to the schools, he put in the work, he looked up to the right people, looked down on the right people, but following Jesus disrupted all of that. Made a mess of all of that because Jesus was calling him to something more. You know, there's that saying that God doesn't give you more than you can handle, which I think is ridiculous, untrue, and actually completely cruel because it forces us to think that we can or should handle it all ourselves, that we kind of have that power within us. If you've ever been in a difficult situation, like a really difficult one, it forces you to come to this truth. You cannot handle it. In fact, you can handle far less than you probably believe you can, even on a day-to-day kind of daily basis. And God, all the time, puts us in situations that we can't handle just so that we would recognize the fact that we can't handle it, so that we would depend on Him more and grow more closer to Him. See, God loves us so much, he doesn't want us to um, be focused on small, tiny things like comfort or, you know, success or status or all those kind of things. God wants to break that up because he wants to give us something more, something better. The more we fight against it, the less we're going to enjoy it. We want to enjoy our relationship with God. We need to surrender to that kind of love, give in to that kind of love. And Jesus, he's in control of Paul's situation here and gives him courage whilst in it. We think comfort... There's a nice sofa, a nice family, a nice career, money in the bank, maybe a nice bed. And there's, there is comfort in those things. Like It's not that that's not comfortable. But real comfort, the kind that we desperately need, the kind that we search after, that we yearn for, the kind that gives us a longing, can only be found in Jesus. Real comfort can only be found in Him. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, and it's something that if we're not actively working against, we'll just kind of be carried on with the flow and kind of go along with. What would it look like for you to become an atheist to the God of comfort? What would that look like? We're all worshipers of the God of comfort by default. What would it look like to be an atheist in that religion? The cost of following Jesus means becoming an atheist to comfort. It's not that we shun comfort from the outset and only sleep on like slabs of wood or, you know, only um, dress in burlap sacks or something. It just means we don't serve that master anymore. Let's get the comfort where we can. That's great. I'm all about it. But we don't serve comfort. Serving comfort is not worth it. When we refuse to base our lives on empty comforts and find Jesus in our difficulties... We get what we actually really want, which is true safety, true security. We get to use that difficult situation instead of it use us. Because it will use us unless we're fighting against it. Paul used this, all these situations, as an opportunity. An opportunity. That defies human logic. When I go through something horrible, my tendency is to make it all about me. And what happens when I do that? is I miss out completely on where Jesus is standing right next to me. I don't want anyone to miss out. I don't want to miss out on where Jesus is. He's in it with you. When we're stripped of some comforts, let's not miss the reality of Jesus standing near us, telling us, take courage. Take courage. Keep on it. I have a plan. You don't need to be anxious. I've got it. I've got a plan. I've got this. Keep following me. I'm going to stand right next to you. Even when you're in that prison, even when you're alone, even when you feel like you're forgotten, and you feel like everything is out of your control, Jesus says, take courage. I'm standing right next to you. The cost of following Jesus will be our comfort. But what Jesus gives us is his safety. I mean, anything that's worth something has a cost. It's a great question to ask, is it worth it? The cost of following Jesus will be our comfort. The cost of living in comfort will be missing out on Jesus. There's a cost both ways. What do we want to pay? Now, following Jesus has a cost, sure, but it is so worth so much more. We receive all his status. We receive all his safety. We endure our costs. The only way we can endure our costs is because Jesus endured his. That's the only way that we can endure ours, because he endured his. On the cross, Jesus gave up everything. Not just small little things like here and there. Whatever cost we might have to pay to follow Jesus, it pales in comparison to the cost that Jesus made on the cross for us. It, It just doesn't count. Jesus has paid it all, and what happens on the cross is this. Jesus gives up his status. The creator of the world, the king of everything, gives it up completely, killed like some common, small little criminal, publicly humiliated, tortured outside the city gates, alone. He gave up his comfort. Now, he he did this because we can't help but live in those kind of small, miserable games obsessed with small comforts. Jesus had to die to put all those lesser things in us to death. That's what it took. It took Jesus dying for that. And Jesus rescued us from that lesser life so that we get he himself. And so when we follow him, we get his status. We get his comfort because we get him. That's what we get. And he does not ask you to pay that back. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you my safety if you give up, you know, whatever the thing is. Jesus does not ask you to pay back what happened on the cross. You don't need to repeat that sacrifice. It's already done. It's been done. It's over. It is finished. Everything is paid in full. As we follow him though, in that new life that changes how we live. Slowly, yes, probably slower than we'd all like, right? Slowly walking in this new life. And when it's difficult, we don't get less of him. He's standing right there. Jesus is there, standing near you, not far off. Have you missed him? He's right there, telling you, take courage. I'm standing right here. I've got this. I have saved you. I will save you. I am saving you. You have all the status you need because of me. Doesn't that free you up just a tiny bit more than it did before? I will keep you safe. See, Jesus is in charge of it. Nobody can take it away. In this story, we see the government. We see people in power. We see mobs. All these people are against Paul. But none of them were able to take away the status and the safety that he got through knowing Jesus. Jesus has it; He will protect His people. So let's get more of Jesus. Let's ask where is He, and how is He working? Let's be more dependent with Him. Let's let's be more needy people with Him. Let's ask for the Spirit to give us eyes to see where we search after status. We might think, "Ah, I don't really care too much about that." Ask the Spirit to reveal areas in your life if, if 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 that is the case. Ask the the Spirit to give us eyes to see where we search after comfort that we didn't realize before. Let's never stop looking for Jesus and our circumstances. As we continue on in Jesus' mission, let's continue to hear and depend on Jesus' words to us. Take courage. Take courage. Let me pray.